Well, I'm feeling feisty today. I'm feeling feisty because I'm forcing myself to recognize that the medical profession that I have been a part of for a great deal of time and honor makes mistakes and sticks to beliefs almost with religious intensity sometimes and that bears a great deal of burden on those of us with Parkinson's disease. Let me tell you a couple of stories. When I was in medical school, 1966-67, the last two years in Rochester, New York, a school which prides itself on being the best of psychiatry available, it was a time when Sigmund Freud was still deified as, if not God, at least a high angel. And also, the prevailing belief in the United States was that if you're psychotic, you're schizophrenic, and that it's only a very rare person who has manic depressive disease. In fact, I think at our Strong Memorial Hospital, the number of admissions for manic depressive disease could be less than 10. And in rounds and discussion, if we could bring up the concept that somebody might be schizophrenic, everybody kind of nodded their heads and stroked their beards whether they had one or not. In that span, 66-67, out of Denmark came the finding that a new medication called lithium carbonate could really calm the cycling and the severity and the psychosis of manic depressive disease. Well, when it came to the United States, the only way you could prescribe it is by saying that somebody had manic depressive disease. So in my senior year of medical school, we saw the number of admissions for manic depressive disease go from, oh, I don't know, I'll just be arbitrary here, 10 to 200. It multiplied the number of times that people saw it because now there was a treatment that was specific to manic depressive disease and it turned psychiatry in the United States on its head. Now, the Europeans had believed for quite some time that more psychosis was bipolar. So the orthodoxy changed. Now, let's go a little later. In the, uh, again, in medical school, there were surgeries for peptic ulcer disease called a Billroth 1, a Billroth 2, and a vagabotomy, and a pyloroplasty. But surgeons really uh, still were the go-to if medical management of peptic ulcer disease didn't work. It was thought to be maybe caused by stress, poor psychiatric, psychological coping skills, such as being a type A personality. And nobody would ever think that there's anything infectious about it. Well, fortunately, they stopped doing some of those surgeries because the side effects of the surgeries were god-awful and the effectiveness wasn't very high, but that took a number of years. Quite a few people had those surgeries. So then, in the late 80s, a few researchers, one in particular, I don't recall his name, began to suggest that maybe in the peptic ulcer was an infectious agent, a bacteria, that was in fact responsible for the ulcer. This hypothesis was met with contempt and derision. Well, by the late 90s, they discovered the bacteria, named it Helobacterium pylori, and found an antibiotic combination which worked. Virtually no surgery anymore for peptic ulcer disease. And also, the standard treatment now is a special blend of antibiotics. It's not the common ones you might be prescribed by your doctor every day. Wow, 
Nothing changed about the disease, but the medical profession changed its approach dramatically. Well, good that they did that, but still that the hypothesis of one about there being an infectious agent being poo-pooed, I think that was short-sighted and provincial. Then I'll tell you about my knee. I wrecked my left knee skiing in 1980. And so I sought out the best knee surgeon I could in Denver. And he was the knee surgeon to the Denver Broncos. And he saw my knee, which had a torn medial collateral ligament. And I still have a scar that's eight inches long where he sliced me open, went in and sewed things up. I wound up in a long leg cast for eight weeks. I had a blood clot in the process. And it took me a year to get back. The result of the surgery was damage to my kneecap and about two years later I developed a very painful knee and they found a spur growing out of the inside of my kneecap into my knee joint and they went in and removed that and while they were at it scraped some of the surfaces of my patella because I had softening of the cartilage common. Well my knee stood up to pretty good exercise for quite some time but it was definitely getting worse and I had to do a lot of physical therapy on it. And then, oh, in the late 90s, uh, I was getting a lot more pain. And another orthopedic surgeon said, well, we have a surgery called a lateral release. We're going to go in and release some ligaments or tendons on the left side of your left knee, outside of it. And we're going to make a track of the midline. And now for the last 10 years, I have arthritis in my left knee. And my knee is swelled to about 25% bigger than the other one. But now, guess what? Surgery is not generally indicated for, for medial collateral ligament damage. Conservative treatment in, a, in immobilizing cast and physical therapy is, is the treatment. And that lateral release ahead, they don't do them anymore. So I've given you three illustrations where the mainstream of medical practice has had to turn about from what it was considered to be absolute truth or damn close to it and changing their ways. Well, I'm glad they changed their ways. I'm glad that it happens. I'm glad to be in a profession that will respond to that. But before responding, there is a held common belief in the absolute truth of it. Okay, now how do we translate this to Parkinson's disease? I was on the Parkinson's Disease Foundation website looking at a couple things. And on a sidebar, I saw a series of seminars available for physicians. And in fact, when I counted them on the sidebar, there were 38 seminars. Guess how many talked about exercise? One. And what did it say? Exercise may be helpful. And yet, there are all kinds of things about preparing your patient for the downward decline and all that stuff because it is considered against the beliefs of the system. Now, I'm saying beliefs now, not science. I'm saying beliefs that Parkinson's is inevitably degenerative, progressive, downhill, and ultimately hopeless. And given enough years, you're going to wind up drooling and unable to walk. We are seeing enough proof of that, that that is not the case. Yet, I'm in an interesting spot where in my own community, in my own state, I am looked on with some trepidation 
because it is thought that I'm too much of a renegade or I'm trying to make money off this whole thing and they don't believe me. Well, one thing they can't argue with is my diagnosis is clad perfectly. Neurologist, board certified, movement disorder specialist, faculty member of the medical school, agree I have Parkinson's disease. A DAT scan, the disease, the one test that helps distinguish if you have a tremor, whether it's due to Parkinson's or not, was distinctly positive. And it's interesting that the neurologists I've seen, when I say, why am I doing so well? They kind of passively say, well, it must be the exercise. But they don't see that my case might be illustrative of what can be the case for a lot of other people with Parkinson's. That's why I'm here. That's why I'm dedicating my life, the next 15 years of it, at least, and I'm, 80, I'm 76, so I'm counting on at least 91, I'm going to be living with Parkinson's, but not declining with it. And I am going to set out to show that they have it wrong. My concept of the best approach to Parkinson's disease is number one, to give up the held, long held beliefs of inevitable progression, degeneration, hopelessness, downhill course, are not necessarily true. And that, in fact, there are examples, many here and there, of people who do quite well and actually get better. And for each one of those people who claims they get better, there's an answer. Well, maybe they didn't really have Parkinson's disease or what have you. And yet, I don't think it can be denied. These people aren't setting out to lie. And most of them aren't trying to sell you a bill of goods. I believe the proper treatment for Parkinson's disease should be Education that includes Parkinson's disease may have a variety of outcomes and among them, many people can improve the symptoms by exercise, body work like yoga or qigong, mindset change, and education, and that it is not inevitable that it goes downhill. As you know, if you paid attention to me, that's what's going on lately, I've decided to take my treatment concepts to the country of Uganda. Why Uganda? Well, they're poor as hell. There are very few doctors. Eight doctors per 100,000 people. And these doctors are not trained anywhere near the level that we are in the West, UK, US, Europe. But they do the best they can. Unfortunately, a lot of the doctors trained in Uganda, once they have the ability to move to the Caribbean, where they can make a lot more money and have a better lifestyle. But the Parkinson's population there is very underserved. Most can't even afford to get to the medical center and have a proper diagnosis made. And most go into their houses and hide for shame. I want to change that. And I want to bring my steps of my program to the people in Uganda with Parkinson's. First step. Convince them it's nothing to be ashamed of. Going to get them t-shirts, look cool. Get them involved in exercise. We will pay certain people in Uganda to provide instruction in mindful power walking. And we're going to train a number of yoga instructors about specific work of yoga with Parkinson's. Going to teach them to be more optimistic and hopeful. That might result in an awful lot of people 
in Uganda, improving their Parkinson's disease without medicine. This is my hypothesis. This is my belief. This is not fact. And that is that if I can get a substantial number where I confirm the diagnosis and follow them for a year or two, not with medicine because they can't afford it and they can't get it to by and large, and there's very few people that have the expertise to administer it, but get them into body work, body awareness, changing the mindset, belief system. Let them see that they're not somehow deranged, touched, like many people think it's demon possession or insanity or uh, infection, and they're shunned. Well, I, I want to make a difference on that. I'm going to get them t-shirts and make them stand out and make them look like they're proud. And if they got grandkids, I'm going to see those grandkids get soccer balls. And then I'm going to follow them for a couple of years. I'm going to go back and forth to Uganda to do this. And I will determine if we see the improvement that I anticipate. Wouldn't it be a hoot if we find that as a population, the people in Uganda do better than the people in the Western world, and they don't take medication, but they get started on exercise and yoga programs? That's my belief, but please understand that science can't be dependent on belief. It must be dependent, it must be depending on facts. I want to gather the facts. Whatever the data says, I will honestly report to you. My research in this respect is nothing that would be encouraged by a drug company, that's for sure. I think it would be basically looked at a school. So I'm a one-man research machine, and I want to make a really big difference in people's lives. If I make a difference in Uganda's lives, I'll make a difference in the lives of the people in the Western world. So, remember, I am started. I will talk to anyone, anywhere in the world about Parkinson's, their Parkinson's, or just the subject. The best way for that communication to happen is via Skype, because Skype is free. I can talk to Australia for an hour, and it doesn't cost either of us a penny. I get to also see their face and their expressions and things like that. And then I'm going to coach, guide. And it is free. I will not charge anybody money. Now then, what do I do financially? Well, I'm going to have to get some money in. this, And I've formed a charity and certified under the U.S. Internal Service Revenue, Internal Revenue Service as a 501c3 charity. So any donations made to my charity are tax deductible. I will invite people to make contributions, but I won't ever expect it demand it or anything like that. So let's see what comes next. It's time that we really take the bull between the whole, take the bull by the tail and look the problem in the face. Something like that. You know what I'm trying to say. Join me if you feel inclined. Support me if you feel inclined. If you don't, don't. If you want to call, do. And let's see if we can't make a change now rather than waiting for the next drug that will reduce our symptoms for another three, four months. Bye all.